to season two of the Dare to Believe podcast. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, Christy. Are you excited about season two? I'm very excited about season two. We've got a lot of great guests for our listeners and interviews full of revelation, awesome stories and testimonies that will encourage and inspire you, our listener, for the more of God. So we want you to dare to believe. Welcome to the Dare to Believe podcast. I'm here with Rebecca Ribnick. Hey, Christy. How are you, Rebecca? I'm doing well. Good. And Ray Light. Good to see you, Ray. It's great to be here. Thanks for coming to Minnesota. Oh, yeah. It's been beautiful. And it's we, pretty out for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, brought the sunshine, green grass. God answered my prayers, for there sure. Yes. Yeah, well, we did invite Ray earlier in the year, but he was no way coming to Minnesota <laughs> while there was still snow on the ground. So I don't blame you with the whole <laughs> polar vortex thing. That was no. That was a little rough. <laughs> if we don't watch it, we're going to lose Rebecca to Florida. That's yeah. what we're, yeah, what's we're praying about. Sunshine, beaches. You might lose me to Florida one day, too. So... <laughs> Well, Ray and Catherine Light, his mm-hmm. wife, are, are have a ministry called Faith by Grace. Correct. Yes. And you're headquartered sort of out of Redding, California. Kind of, yeah, headquartered out of Redding, California, and Annapolis, Maryland. We kind of on bi coastal on that. We go back and forth between the two. We're mostly in Redding. Travel out of there. That's our base, and then we just go back to Annapolis, Maryland, and and do ministry out of there as well too. It's just that was there where we started, and that's where uh, we still go back to. And Ray and I met each other through the Sozo ministry at Bethel in mm. Reading. That's how we know each other. Yes. Um, but you have you do a lot more than Sozo. Yeah, I do Sozo. I'm part of the Transformation Center uh, mm-hmm. in Reading, and we also have developed over the years of just because of what we did, just doing mentoring, doing, doing just the discipleship that we did do, as well as doing identity teaching, we developed identity coaching over the years. Yeah. So it's and it a really little bit is different. a way of coaching people. Yeah. It developed through many years of, of doing discipleship, doing mentoring, getting trained in life coaching, getting trained in multiple forms of inner healing, and just refining down, in my opinion, to the, the most efficient, most effective things that help people move from being stuck into living the truth of who they are. Yeah, and I love that you call it coaching because in that way, in my mind, when someone wants to go the next level with the Lord and they've done inner healing, they've done a deliverance, they've done that type of work and they've worked hard to stay on track and there's still something that is keeping them stuck, you are an expert at naming it and dealing with it and getting rid of it and helping them move past it. Yeah, I think that would be one of the things is... The, we had chatted about that earlier, is that people, everybody seems to think that they know their identity. So that's covered. So that can't be the problem. Yeah, I'm a son or daughter of Christ, and I know that. Yeah, I don't, I know who I am. I know the scriptures. I know this information, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that I share with people. that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's good to know Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. but it's better if you believe it. (laughs) (laughs) So, because, and that's the part that I share with people, is that we don't live out of what we know. So it's great that you know your identity. It's great that you know you're a son and your daughter. But that doesn't really matter if you believe something else. And if you believe lies about you not being a good son or you not being a good daughter, but you're a son or daughter and God's good. And that's one of the things mm-hmm. I guess I, I, would, I would share is one of the things I realized is that you can fully believe that God is good. You can fully believe the goodness of God. And we've kind of covered that over the years. Like it's 
been a massive transition of like the the fear and brimstone into like yeah. understanding that God is yeah. good. That's There's, been a big movement. That yeah, that's huge, and praise God for it. Yeah, you know, instead of just fear, you know, fear and control. It's yeah. beautiful that God we can look at the good goodness. Mood. Yeah, and the thing is, is though that you can live. The problem with that is you can you can live a life completely separate from the goodness of God, even when you believe in the goodness of God because of the lies you believe about yourself. Yeah. And that's what I help people with, is those areas where they're stuck, where they don't actually believe who they are. They know the scriptures, but they're believing something else, so they have this particular behavior or this condemnation or shame, guilt, fear that comes up that they don't have control of, that it just keeps happening. And they don't know why, and that's where I help them get the information so they can be free. How long have you been doing this, Ray? Started out in ministry in 2001 doing discipleship and relational mentoring and it's developed over the years through doing inner healing pastoring we pastored a church for four or five years just multiple different types of ministry that we have done that have become now identity coaching and i know that uh, if people listen to our podcast we did with you and your wife Catherine, they heard a little bit of your history but prior to doing discipleship and coaching, you really were never raised in an environment where that's that's normal. Can you talk about your journey (laughs) and how you came to know that? It's an interesting life I had. I I was a real mess. I mean, it's just I don't want to glorify that, but I was a real mess who who grew up in in a rather dysfunctional home with generations of dysfunction. And one of the books that's on my list to write, I don't know if I mentioned this last time or not, but one of the lists of book one of the books that's on, on my list to write is called Raised by Wolves and Witches, which is going to be a practical guide to freedom from cultural witchcraft. And that just gives you an idea of my background. It was, you know it was pretty prophetic family I grew up in on the wrong side of the tracks of prophecy is what I would say. And a lot of sadly just a lot of addiction a lot of control a lot of manipulation a lot of deception just all the all the fun juicy things of mm-hmm. of witchcraft that, that go on but you know not necessarily professional witches but just all the tools of it of just not really knowing who you are being afraid not being able to express yourself properly having to manipulate people passive aggression all all those fun things so mm-hmm. that's kind of what I grew up in really started numbing myself around nine years old that I can remember roughly because I have very limited memory of my childhood and stumbled around doing all kinds of things of trying to numb my my pain probably until into my early 20s. That's when Catherine and I met, and then I didn't even come to faith until I was 30. So it was, it was, it was, it was a little messy for me. It was a little messy. And so when you came to faith, I believe Catherine came to faith first. Correct, yeah. And you guys were married and had one child. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And so our daughter was, was a year old when we came to faith. and Or actually, no, our son was a year old. Our daughter was oh. six years old. Okay. When we had, so Two we had children. both our children. I just had a flash of that now. So I forget the story sometime, <laughs> even though I've told it a bunch of times. But And then we started a journey. We had so much to do. We came to faith and just really wanted to desire. That was what, what the core of our ministry came from, is the desire to not pass down mm-hmm. to our children 
some of the things that we got, and we wanted to have an open relationship where they actually they knew who we were. We had a relationship. There wasn't this this sense of separation between us, even though we are the parents, but we're handing down love, handing down respect, letting them be who they are, letting them grow into who they are. And that, that was our hope, is to pass down something that would that would bless generations. And we started on that path and have worked through several different ministries to get where we are. And so a big part of your faith walk has been getting he- healthy and healed yourself so that you can raise healthy and healed do- son and daughter. And that was our hope, yeah, mm-hmm. our hope not to do the same thing. Yeah. And I really didn't even understand that until I fully broke. I was... I was eight years into my walk with with Jesus before I broke and went into a full depression, and that was when I was introduced to the concept of inner healing because I didn't even believe so in it. So you say you broke? Was it just kind of broke with reality? Broke? You're broken your heart, or what? What broke? Well, for me, what I mean by that is, I, I guess I couldn't pretend and deny anymore. Is All what it was. So we mm. we took our daughter. She, she was homeschooled till that point, and we took her to school because she wanted to go back to public school. And when we did that, it was just just a simple meet-the-teacher's night just before school started. I had a simple thought in my head. I still remember that. I had this simple thought that, you know, hey, it wouldn't have been that difficult for my parents to be involved in my life. This isn't something that's difficult. We were pretty much more so just on our own, living our life, They, you know, roof, food, basic stuff, but not actually hands-on activity in my life. I felt just totally alone so doing my own neglected. life. Yeah. None of the nurturing and training and mm, teaching that... Not that I can remember. Right. And maybe negative from what you were saying earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, there, was, there was some good stuff in there, but, sure. but it, was, it was an interesting time. So, But that thought, I think, just opened up the emotions that I'd packed mm-hmm. away, started packing away when I was 10 years old. I vaguely remember a memory when I something was said to me and i just shut down my emotions and realized wow i don't need them anymore and and i kind of started packing stuff away after that all that ripped open i still remember just little by little that thought became resentment became the sense of anger and then all the emotions i was experiencing were just almost like like a shock level feeling as i was experiencing them to the point where i could barely even drive i couldn't think i I was so disoriented on what it was, and I was in a full depression. And that was when a friend of mine recommended that I go see one of his friends who who does inner healing. And that's I had an encounter with Jesus that I, I couldn't even explain. You know, I got mm-hmm. I got an opportunity where when I had had this encounter with Jesus, that I actually was able to reconcile my relationship with my mother forgive my mom for some of the things that I was holding internally in that I wasn't even aware of. Mm. They were just bubbling up inside of there. I was able to release all that. And when I did, I had a moment of reconciliation and got to meet the woman that she was created to be in a vision with Jesus and was reconciled in my heart. And that changed so much. And that was the moment. I remember driving home from that event where I was in full depression had that encounter and that time with Jesus where I was able to do some repentance, forgiveness, break agreement with lies, all the good stuff that we do in a inner healing session, and drove home not depressed, and I've never had it since. Wow. And that's 
that's when I realized, you know, friends of mine that were in the industry, counselor friends, says that doesn't happen. You know, once you're depressed, you're depressed, and you have to manage that the rest of your life. And I'm like, well, okay. That's, that, that wasn't my experience. And so when I realized if I can be healed, anybody could be healed. So I started pursuing the idea, and little by little, that's where I just built on multiple different layers of, of inner healing. And then also just the whole idea that um, I think it's my East Coast you know, conservative evangelical influence that it has to be practical, it has to be scriptural, it has to be sustainable. So that's what I want. It's like the beauty of the Spirit and the Scriptures together. It has to make sense. It has to be consistent with the Word. So that's why what we do is we equip people to a practical and sustainable lifestyle of freedom. That's our hope. I love that. And I think it's important for for listeners and for us to, as believers to realize that just because you receive Jesus doesn't mean everything's roses and sunshine, and that's okay. Like mm-hmm. you can receive the Lord in a moment, and then you walk it out and get to walk into greater healing and, and wholeness. But there's a denial that can happen when we think, absolutely, I've received the Lord now, everything's fixed. Yeah, or, or should be, or should be. And then yeah. when it's not, people feel responsible. Like, okay, I'm doing something. There's something really wrong with me, or I'm doing something wrong mm-hmm. because. I don't have the full healing. And the truth is the blood of Jesus did cover it all, but we don't know how to walk in that fullness. And that's where what you're talking about is there's usually some kind of a lie we're believing that is keeping us from receiving more of what Jesus died for us to have. Absolutely. We don't, I've found over the years of working with thousands of people is that we don't live out of what we know. We live out of what we believe. Mm Mm-hmm. And with that, there's a problem, and the problem with that is because we don't really know what we believe, and we obviously don't believe what we know. Mm. So we live this duplicitous lifestyle where we know the Scriptures, but we have this other behavior of fear, shame, guilt. We have the kingdom of the world that that shows itself in our life. At the same time, we're like, no, I know I'm a child of God, I know this, but what we don't realize is that we're believing something else. Sure, and that's where so much self-condemnation can come in. Absolutely. You feel that tension of knowing what the Scripture says and then feeling what you actually feel. So yes, yeah, so you're aware of it. Absolutely. So that's what we, we help people just figure out those different things that are going on between what's different in their head, what's different in their heart, aligning those together, connecting God in that place and letting them work it out. And that was I, one of the greatest revelations, this is what I share with people, which is challenging for people, is that one of the greatest revelations God ever gave me as a believer is the one day that he told me that I don't really believe the gospel. And <laughs> Ouch. And yeah, I share that in places, and it doesn't always go over well. Yeah, <laughs> and especially when I share that the reality that neither do they. None of us really believe the gospel. Because if we did, we would look like Jesus. Well, and you know what I love about this type of ministry is um, we feel like we we don't have those feelings or there's brokenness in us or there's some kind of behavior that we have that we're trying to hide. And like we hide that. We want more of the freedom and the peace, but we are hiding. It's like we th- we're, we're, we're hiding what's really going on. Like we could hide that from God. It's like none of that takes Jesus by surprise. He knows every single thing that's going on inside of us. Absolutely. And so what you're helping people to do is identify where is that, how do you deal with it? Because Jesus knows about it. Yeah. Let's get his help in how, how to get rid of that thing and live in more of the freedom he, he wants you to have. Yeah, he, he knows every lie we believe, everything we think about him, every emotion we have about him. Yeah. And he knows all those lies. He became all those lies on the cross. He took that for us 
so that so we don't we have to try hide to hide him. him. He's there. It's, <laughs> yeah. He knows it. You know, we're hiding from ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Or from others. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit more about what you guys do. Mm-hmm. But also, I'd like to talk more about your year. So we inter- you guys were here a year ago in Minnesota. Yes. And we loved having you. And It was fun. Uh-huh. And <laughs> you went through a tough summer. Can you talk about that? Well, the first part of the summer was pretty good. Well, yeah, first part was good. That was that was cool. But we we lost our house in the car fire. We live in Reading, and we were renting, so we didn't lose a house we we owned. But we were renting a house because that's why we still go back to Annapolis, Maryland, because we we still own a house there, and we we go back there and stay in our house sometimes and rent it out short term the rest of the time. But we were we were on vacation and we were coming back from vacation. We didn't even know about the fires because we kind of checked out, so we didn't even know about the fire at all until that morning when we were coming back from vacation. We didn't get back till about eleven o'clock that morning to Reading, and they had already evacuated our neighborhood at five a.m. that morning. Mm. So we couldn't get back to the house, and we found out the next day in the afternoon that that our house had burned, that it was gone. So Everything we lost two cars and all of our belongings that that we had in the car fire. But your son had been staying in the house, mm-hmm. and he, he had, was able to get out safely. Sadly, he just just got back from college, too. He had just graduated. Just mm-hmm. all his stuff was boxed up in one of the rooms, too. So which he is, lost everything as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, all, all his stuff was in there, too. So he, he was able to get out but didn't really have the time to pack up anything, take it with him. It was just evacuating the house because it was it was dangerous and smoke-filled and had to get out. Hmm. So it's been an interesting time from that. It's just uh, one of the... It impacted me more than any other loss I've ever experienced, and I didn't understand that. It, it really did probably challenge me in ways that that no other loss has because I didn't understand it and I couldn't comprehend why I was feeling the way I did. And I was in the, the emotional fog for about a month after that. We even had to get out of Reading. It was too much. If you, if you were affected by the fires, you know, because it was just toxic to be in Reading and it was just depressive. Everything's burned out. Everybody's talking about the fires. You just didn't want to be there. And it was it was smoky. Yeah, really yeah smoky. it was oh. just unhealthy to even yeah, be people there. people had to wear masks just to walk around town. So we got out of there as soon as we could and went to Florida to stay with a close friend, and then we went to Maryland to stay in our house when it was available, stayed there for a while. So we were gone for a couple months before we... And I started ranting online, Facebook and on Instagram, <laughs> just on my own process, and apparently that started helping people. And people were sending me messages and thanking me for being honest and real. So I turned that into a blog. So now I'm blogging through the whole grieving process. And where would people access that blog? uh, That is on my website, faithbygrace.org. There's a blog where you can follow all the different aspects of grief. And what I'm doing is now is I'm developing a resource called Finding a New Normal, which will be available, Lord willing, in about two months, if I can finish it. It'll be available, and it's going to be a free resource where you can just access it, and you can pay shipping and and have it. And that's what the Lord told me to make this one available for free so that people can have access to it. And it's just going to hit all the different aspects of grief, going beyond the seven stages and into the odd things about grief. And it's an invitation. This particular book will be an invitation for you to be real in your grieving process so you can work out the issues that 
we sometimes are afraid to talk about in public. Yeah, yeah. You said something this weekend that we weren't created to experience loss. My opinion, mm-hmm. um, this is what, what God told me a long time ago about this, is one of the reasons why loss never makes sense. There's, there's never a time where we have a loss where just our heart's like, oh, yeah, that all makes sense. And we understand the pieces of it that come up to someone, someone that we lose or some, some painful break that happens in our life. But in your heart, you never quite understand it. It never quite makes sense because we were never created. You think about the garden. The garden, we were not created for loss. We were created for life. We were created for that. And now when it happens, there's that moment of... Of, of, for one, shock. The Lord lets us, you know, go into the shock and denial stage, and then we go into the fog, and we go into trying to negotiate out of it, and then all the emotions start spinning around. It's a whole process, the grieving process, for me, my opinion, after all the people I've worked with, is I don't think there's some miraculous healing for grief, you know, unless you're stuck just in grief. But I'm, I'm like, there's the grieving process is the process that God allowed for us so that we can reset to this new normal we were never created to experience, and it'll never be fully normal because there's always that loss will always be a part of your life. You'll never have that. Your life will never be the same again. But you can still thrive, you can still live, and you can still find freedom, peace, and joy in this new normal, and that's the grieving process, and that's what I'm going to break apart in this book so that you can understand that, yeah, hey, this isn't what you were created for, this isn't what God wanted for you, but it is what's happening, and you can be free. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense, actually, and just the, the pain of it, that even if someone has lived a full life and they and they pass, there's still pain and a sense of this doesn't make sense that we experience. Yeah, it's still a loss, even when, you know, when we do that, we... Uh, you know, religiously say all these things like, oh, I know where they're going. It doesn't bother me. I'm fine. I didn't lose anybody. They're going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Mm, That's called denial is what that is. And it doesn't help because it is an actual loss, even though we know, yeah, it's in this, these few 80 years, you know, as he says, if that we have on earth, hopefully sometimes people live longer than that, but that 80 year window is an average that we have here on earth is nothing compared to eternity. But that's what we have right now, and it's what we understand, and it's still a loss that you have. And yeah, praise God, someone you know you're going to be with them with etern- for eternity. And it's not even a person. Sometimes it can be, like for me, it was a house. It was all those memorial stones of connections, of relationships, and events in my life that are just gone. And so it's okay that it's not just a person. You're allowed to grieve things you've lost, things you've cared about, and... And it is, it's a real loss. And just to be able to understand that and accept that and let yourself process the emotions you're having, because you're allowed to have those emotions. Mm. God isn't, you know, you're not less of a believer and you're not lacking in faith because loss hurts. Mm. And scripture says we grieve as those that have hope. What did it look like for you in your grieving process or still in it to have hope even though you're grieving. Well, I didn't always grieve as though I had hope, okay. just so you know. <laughs> That's part of being honest in your grieving process. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that, that I shared, you know, in the very, very beginning. That was when I first started ranting online, is I took that morning. There was one morning I sat down and just sat down with the Lord and blamed Him for everything. And, and I kind of, like, felt better after I got that out, you know, because yeah. it was in there. Yeah, and you're mad at Him. You know, I, I move in the prophetic pretty strongly. I get ridiculous information of 
for people's lives that I don't even think I need sometimes. But <laughs> he couldn't have given me a call and told me my house was going to burn down. We had to work that one out. That was a real issue. Yeah. You know, I get information from him all the time. For him, it's a simple phone call. He could have just said, hey, Ray, you know, you might want to get your house cleared out. But but he didn't. So I have to deal with the reality that that didn't happen or I didn't hear him or what, whatever it is. But that's a real issue I had to work out with him. And then prophetic people understand that because there's that feeling like you should know everything anyway. And and that's a real one of the ways that the enemy comes at prophetic people is that you should have already known. That's a mm-hmm. common lie for... So it was just, that was one of the things that was in me. He knew it. I knew it. And I was willing to sit down with him and work it out. And if if you're willing to sit down and work out with him those issues, you can move beyond them instead of just stuffing them and living in resentment the rest of your life. Yeah. And he knows you're mad at him. You're not, you're hi- not hiding that <laughs> yeah, from him. He wasn't you're surprised. from yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. He wasn't yeah. surprised about it. Right. Right. Uh, if you're If you're okay with that, can you share a little bit about how you work out that stuff with God because I know there's some people that will listen and they just they don't have a grid for for sitting down and, and working something out you know they kind of get up go to church fill themselves up the best they can read some scripture but how how do you actually go through some of this stuff with the Lord for me it's 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 different at different times sometimes it can be a full-blown encounter that I go into where it's almost a vision, I go in and I'm just hanging out talking with him, but it's not always there, and, and that's not usually the easy place to start either for people. So I'm trying to think back of like the way that I used to do it, and I guess it's really just getting to that place of, if I think about it, to uh, Brother Lawrence, remember his, his book, Practicing the Presence? That's probably one of the very first ones I had where it was like, okay, let me just take the time to intentionally let myself experience the presence of God. And and whether that's just like, I know he's here because that's what a scripture says. Do I get some visual sensation of him being here? Do I feel it? Do I sense him? But there's there's just a place where I'm like, okay, Lord, let me just, let me just acknowledge that you're real. You're, you're really real is a good place to start. And in that place of acknowledging that, then I just start sharing my heart and expressing myself to him on what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And I'm trying to figure out, really, what am I thinking and what am I feeling, so that so that I can be honest with him in that place, so that I can express it. And it's the whole idea of just confessing your sins, as you know. And in, in my opinion, the the lies are the sins. So getting to that place where I can actually confess the lies, I believe, because sometimes those feelings I'm having or that anger or whatever it is. I don't even know why I'm angry at God. So me being able to process through the anger allows me to get down to what I'm actually thinking and what I'm actually believing, and then I can present that that real thought, that real belief to Him, and let Him, in whatever way He does, whether, it's, whether He speaks to me directly, whether it's a feeling, a sensation, but allowing His presence into the actual feeling and into the actual thought. Because I've found that his presence is is the answer to it. That's that's what changes things. And when I can invite him into it, even if my heart isn't ready to submit to what is true, when when I'm expressing myself to him, because he isn't always he doesn't always answer us. I'm sure you've found this out yourself, but he doesn't always answer the way that we want. We he doesn't give the answer that I'm looking for. But the miracle of God is that answer that he gives you, even when it's totally in left field, and you have no idea what that has to do with anything, it resolves the issue. 
And that's that's the neat thing. It's like that I don't come to him expectant, even honestly I do. I'm like, this is what I want, God, right here. <laughs> I want you to fix this, and this is how I want you to fix it. And he'll show up and reveal something else. And I was trying to just kind of remember some of the ways that, that he's done that. But the one that comes to my mind right now is I was in a real bad place, and this wasn't dealing with the fire, but this was a while ago. It was almost like one of those times where it wasn't like I was suicidal. I just didn't want to put up with it anymore. So I wasn't making a plan, but it was like, God, why can't I just be there with you? Mm. It's like, why can't I just be there with you? And his answer to that is like, why can't I just be there with you? (laughs) 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 You know, and it just, you know, it's just like I, that was one of those, I feel it. That was one of those ones I audibly heard when he said that to me and and it shifted my mind it shifted my heart in that moment and that was not the answer I was looking for Mm. you know when you're describing the grief and working through process with the Lord and inviting him in um, I I personally believe that's why Christian community can be so helpful and why we need each other, because there Absolutely. are times when I have experienced things and I've tried the best I know how, and I'm working as hard as I can or doing everything I understand to bring God into my situation, into my brokenness, but there's still something that's stuck. And uh, if we're not careful, we'll tend to feel shame about that. Like yeah. if I have still have brokenness, I still have somewhere where I'm stuck, that must mean I'm not a good person or I'm not a good Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we need each other. And that's where a ministry like yours help someone. Let me help you get Jesus in there in that place that's hard for you to do that. You have prayer tools. You have an ability to help people work through that sozo ministry or inner healing of different kinds. As long as it's scripturally based and it focuses on the Lord, we need each other to sometimes Mm -hmm. help get past that next thing. Absolutely. I mean, he says that. So it's what we need each other. We need to encourage each other, edify each other, confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so we can be healed. It's in community. That's absolutely. And and that's one of the things I've noticed, too, is it's easier, too, because your abnormal is different than mine. So I can recognize yours much easier. I can recognize the lies that are coming out of your mouth, even when you're not saying them clearly, but just the phrases you're using, the... You know, and, and that's my job, so I can. And when you're talking about lies coming now. out of somebody's mouth, it's not even something my person is aware of. Yeah, it's, it's like just the lens that they see that life. Is, yep, yeah. exactly. They have no idea that they're believing lies because they're good Christians, mm-hmm. right? And good Christians <laughs> don't believe lies; they believe the gospel. And and the the reality is is that that's what I share with people is that one of the places where your beliefs reside is in your thoughts. If you want to know what you believe, pay attention to your thought life. Mm-hmm. And, and that'll tell you if you are believing lies or not, because you can pay attention to your thoughts, and you can hear what you're actually thinking, and you can hear the way that you process. And, and if it's not freedom, peace, and joy, you're believing lies. It's, it's just that simple. <laughs> and there's no condemnation for it, because there's no condemnation in Christ, but he wants you free. He wants you to not have to live that life. That's, that's kind of why he came here, right? You know what I mean? He's like, hey, <laughs> hey I'm going to do all the work for you. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to be the sacrifice, Jesus said. I'm, I'm going to be the sacrifice. I'm going to take all the sin. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to raise to new life, and you can live in me. And that's just a choice we have, whether we want to live in the world of fear, shame, and guilt. And that the, the reality is that is a choice. Mm. 
It is a choice internally. The thing is, we, we have these systems running that cause us, cause us not to notice the way we see life, the lenses we have on, the patterns that we just accept as normal that are not normal. And that's why we need each other, because you own pieces of the kingdom that I don't own, and I own pieces of the kingdom that you don't own, and we can help each other share those pieces of the kingdom that we own. I feel like I can prophetically feel people triggering over what you just said, that it's a choice, whether we live in fear, shame, and, and guilt. Oh, yeah. Or freedom, peace, and joy. Like, a lot of people are like, I don't have control over this situation, or this is what happened, or this has been done to me. Yeah, you, you don't have control over your situations and circumstances all the time. You have absolute control over your thoughts and emotions. So I'm not saying that you're, you know... It's a choice, even though sometimes it is a choice that you're not aware of for your circumstances. Sometimes it's absolutely beyond anybody else's control. And I'm not trying to—the thing is, guilt, fault, and blame is a part of the world. That's, that's the evidence that you believe a lie. If you're blaming somebody else for something, it's because you don't believe your own righteousness. It's, it's just the way that it is. And so— so yeah, there could be a circumstance that you're in that is beyond your control, but your emotional mindset and, and set of feelings in that is under your control, and it's based off of your belief system. Yeah, and people need to learn how to do that because we don't know how to take our thoughts captive. We don't know how to deal with our emotions in a healthy way. So that is a learning process and it letting is, the Lord absolutely. into all that. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we try to help people with is because we don't realize that. And that's one of the things I share is that most commonly what I find out is that people don't know the difference between their thoughts and their emotions. And what we will do is we will make our thoughts an emotion, then make it a fact, and then operate out of that fact instead of paying attention to the actual emotion that's happening and find out the belief system that is manifesting that fear, shame, or guilt. You uh, unpacked some really good scripture for our students when you were here teaching at our school. What are some of the favorites that, or the, the, the not favorites, maybe cornerstone scriptures of your ministry? Well, some of the the key ones, of course, are like, it's Romans, Romans 6, Romans 8, you know, some of the ones that we're talking about, even Colossians. I don't, I don't have the actual tags in front of me, but, but one of my favorite, I still remember one of my very first ones I ever memorized was Galatians. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and the life I live. I live by faith in the one who loves me. And, you know, basically he gave everything for me is, is what that scripture is saying. So that's, that's one of my favorite. And then you just get to the aspect of, of what Romans is, you know, that beautiful truth of Romans 6 and Romans 8, that there's, there's no condemnation in Christ. And you look at the fact that, that, that our sinfulness has been circumcised from us and cut off and removed from us, that we're a new creation. You go to Corinthians and we're a new creation. It's all new. There's just, I get lost in how many scriptures are there because there's the Old Testament where he talks about binding up. He came and he bound up the brokenhearted. He came and he did that. He's given us a new heart of stone. If you go to Isaiah where he's taken out that, well, he's taken out that old heart of stone and he's given us a new heart of flesh. And then he wrote the law on that new heart of flesh. And then and you go to Romans, you just tie that in with Romans 8. And then it's actually, he actually not only just wrote the law, but he fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law on that new heart of flesh. So that new heart that you have is, is, 
soft and pure and holy, and it has all of the truths, all of the finished work, all of the righteous requirements of the law completely fulfilled. So that's where it gets a little crazy, like, wait a minute, like, the heart I have is good, but we've been taught that we can't trust our hearts. Ooh, and that's another area where I go. It's like you can fully trust your heart. Your heart will always be honest with you. Your heart will always tell you what you believe. It might not always tell you the truth because you don't believe the truth, but your heart will always tell you what you believe. It's always expressing itself. It is always expressing what it believes. But the truth of who your heart is is already pure. It's already whole. You're, you're, you're either righteous and pure in Christ or you're not in Christ. We're not in some process of becoming righteous, holy, and pure. And what I would recommend, if someone is curious about this and wants to unpack this a little bit more, uh, Ray's written a couple of books, more than a couple, but actually the one, the main ones are Identity Restoration, which is the process you were just talking about. This yeah, is the Identity Restoration out. teaches you how to live this way. Yep. The Who Do You Think You Are Bible study is the one where you'll get into all the Scripture. That's where all the Scriptures are, looking at your redeemed identity in Christ. You're your alive, righteous, fruitful, pure, and accepted identity in Christ. We break out hundreds of Scriptures, look at so many different aspects of your identity in Christ, and allow you to break out what are you thinking, feeling, and believing compared to what the truth says, so that you can actually go from a concept all the way to pulling out the truths of the Scripture and establishing a declarative statement of faith that you can actually own and believe and declare over yourself. So that's what that process is, and it just allows you the freedom to be able to learn how, what is forgiveness, what is repentance, those kind of things is what we dig into so that you can actually forgive, you can actually repent, is what the Bible study and the Identity Restoration book helps you live out the truth of who you are. So if you the Bible study and the Identity Restoration book aren't necessarily hand-in-hand. Hand. It's two different applications of the information. One will teach you who you are. One will teach you how to live the truth of who you are. And the Bible study teaches you who you are. Yeah, correct. And Identity Restoration teaches you how to walk it out in your day-to-day -day life. Correct. And if people want to access those books, they can get it at Amazon.com. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The resource There's a resource page on my website at faithbygrace.org if you want to look the information up, but... I always recommend Amazon, because if you're a Prime member, you just get free shipping and get it right away. Yeah. Yeah. So, quick question. If, if I'm sitting here and I'm thinking this, that, I, hey, I'm doing pretty well. You know, I'm, I've got a pretty okay life. You know, like, things are all right. I live in the States, so already I'm doing a lot better than many people in the world, because my basic needs are met, whatever. Yeah. I'm a Christian. I'm, like, things are all right. Things are all right. Why would you recommend to me that I go after greater healing? Why would I recommend that? Really, for me, when you think about it, it's just a. I have this continual desire for more of the Lord that I don't understand. It's, I think it's built in all of us. We were created for great things, and yet we, we, we are so spoiled living in this country, living in this this situation that we have. And I would say, to be honest with yourself, yeah, it's, you're doing okay. You got a nice you got a nice house, you got nice cars, what, whatever it is that's going on, it's great to celebrate because I am about pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy. So if that's what you're being like filled with all the time, I'd say keep doing what you're doing. 
<laughs> you know, don't if you live a lifestyle of freedom, peace, and joy, and that's your life, go for it. But if you're living a lifestyle of pretending you're free, pretending you have peace, and or pretending you, you have joy. Or wishing you were. Yeah, or yeah. wishing you were. Yeah, pain, let's pain because you're not. Let's find out why. Yeah. That's really that. So so it's it's if you think you're okay, I'm not telling you you're not. It, it's just it, you being willing to be honest with yourself. How's that working out in your relationships? How's that working out in your marriage? How's that working out with, with your family, your friends, your career? How's that working out in your thought life? Mm. That's what I'm talking about. Because if you can't find freedom, peace, and joy in your thought life, you're not going to find it anywhere else in your life. And what I would um, tell people is that the, you have to look at the fruit of what goes on with these coaching sessions that you do. Because you you coach people, they can coach online or they can coach in person, but when we bring you to the Twin Cities, we, we set up appointments and give people an opportunity. We set up two days of appointments. They filled the first day. So all the appointments filled in the two days and so then I was like well Ray you're gonna come on a Friday how about if you do Friday morning you put those out there they filled right away and then we filled another day with mm -hmm. three more I mean so the fruit of it is people are yeah. getting what they're looking for and they're getting breakthrough because people aren't gonna line up and do this if there's no good fruit I mean people are smart they're not gonna waste their time and money there's a reason bad restaurants are empty that's <laughs> right but you know that that speaks for itself. So that's yeah. It's cool. I don't understand how it works, but it does. That's it's just yeah. God shows up, and we get people get to know who they are, and their heart now has a choice. And I always believe that a renewed heart will always choose truth. Mm. Right now, some of those areas where you're stuck in fear, shame, or guilt, you don't even really know what you believe, but you're stuck in that belief system. You know what you know, you don't know what you believe. And that area of your heart doesn't believe what you know. And so what I do is I help you get that information so your heart can actually know how, what, what it actually believes and how you're self-protecting and why that loop keeps happening. Then you get to find out the truth of who you are in that area of your heart and what's available to you and your heart has a choice. Mm -hmm. So it's just at a time of empowerment, just like that's what God gives us choices. He doesn't control us. He doesn't... He doesn't punish and control us. He gives us he gives us choice and freedom, and that's just what we offer people. What I love to say to people like Rebecca's example of someone who's doing pretty well. I mean, things are pretty good, um, and but there is something in them yearning for more. Mm -hmm. I remind them that you've done everything you know to do, but there's more that can be done for you. So you've done everything you're able, you understand that you've read the scriptures, you've talked to the Lord, you've done all good things, that's very good. Uh, but if you want more, there is more, and we can help you find that more. Yeah. And I'd say that's kind of what's So what check your thoughts, well. really, that's the easiest yeah. one. Check your thoughts. If you think everything's going great and it's going great, beautiful. How do you think about yourself? How do you think about others? How that's If, if those aren't just freedom, peace, and joy, you might want to check yourself. Right. That's a really big, like, turn off the radio, turn mm -hmm. off this podcast, let things get quiet around you, and how do you really talk to yourself? Yeah, that's, that's where the good. real information is. Yeah. Yeah. It, on the flip side, is there any is there anybody too far gone? No. I haven't found them yet. So if you think that's you, go to my website. I love a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really, I haven't found somebody that's too far gone. Now, I have found when people don't want to admit that what they believe is a lie, is a lie, 
and they're stuck in that. I've had a handful of those, really, out of thousands and over 6,000 people in the years. I've had maybe four or five people that are like, nope, I want, this is true. I'm like, okay, then so is the self-protection will keep running. And it's, and that's only been a handful of people, but I've worked with multiple different diagnoses of people that are no longer suffering from the symptoms of their diagnosis. It doesn't matter how much time it's been. It doesn't matter how old you are. I think 84 years old is the oldest person I've worked with. So I think that is the oldest that I've worked with. And they got freedom that they didn't expect. And I believe four or five is the youngest I've worked with. And they got freedom. And it's it's little you know sitting there with their parents it's a little bit done differently with the the sure. little guys yeah, of but but they're always there with their parents and moves a little bit more prophetically because little ones don't always report and you got to get a little bit more information but with the adults I don't even do it prophetically I just let them have a conversation with God and get the information but there's there's nothing that I'm aware of where it's too far gone but that would be one of the lies the enemy loves that like you're uniquely messed up you're the one. What happened to you is worse than what happened to anybody else, and there's no hope for you. That's just, that is a more common lie than you would think. So if there's people out there thinking that right now, that I'm the exception, just so you know, you're not the only one that thinks that. And there's hope. There's, freedom, there's freedom is available. Freedom is available. Because I've worked with people that come in with that expectation that they're the ones that this is not going to work. God shows up. He shows off. He reveals truth. Their heart chooses truth, and their lives are different. So would you pray for our listeners? Just bless them with a breakthrough. And... Yeah. So, Jesus, thank you. I just Everybody that hears this, right, and everybody that hears my voice, I just ask that you would just touch them, Lord, especially maybe, maybe if, it, if it's a sense of courage that they need to actually take the next step. If there's, if there's something they're stuck in, there's something that they, they think is, is unfixable, untouchable, and Lord, I, I just ask that, that you would just meet them in that place. If there's a loop that they're in that is just miserable, that is fear-filled, guilt-filled, or shame-filled, Holy Spirit, would you just touch them right there? And if they need help outside of that, and it's not just a moment of encounter with you, that you would inspire them to reach out wherever it is, whoever it is, that they would reach out for help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ray, for joining us. Yeah, this was yeah. good. We've been talking with Ray Light with Faith by Grace Ministries, faithbygrace.org, and you can also find him on Facebook and Instagram. And spell your last name for us. L-E-I-G-H-T. Ray Light. That's prophetic right there. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you're welcome. Bless you. to the Dare to Believe podcast. If you'd like more information on this podcast or upcoming events, please visit our website at daretobelieve.info. That's dare, the number two, believe.info. Thank you and have a great day.